0: I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And uh, this Eck, the eldest Eck, Courtney, had my first case of really, really bad insomnia last night. So things are going to get weird. Luckily, it's Sadie's night. She gets to tell the story and I just get to react in whatever weird, disembodied way my disembodied body
1: decides to react. (laughs) If I I accidentally put you asleep, put you to sleep with my voice. It's not out of disrespect for the victims. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. When you hear the snoring and the drooling, that's purely just because
0: my brain decided no nine nights last Mm -hmm. night. So Mm -hmm. what do we got tonight? Sadie, who are you telling us about?
1: This is the solved cold case of Andrea Bowman and Kathleen Doyle. I got many of the details of this case from an article titled The Girl in the Picture, written by Niall Capello for the Atavist magazine. In March of 1989, 14 year old Andrea Bowman was in her freshman year of high school and lived with her parents, Brenda and Dennis, as well as her baby sister, Vanessa, who had only been born 15 months before. The family lived in a small mobile home on the outskirts of the tiny town of Hamilton, Michigan. Hamilton is about 35 miles southwest of Grand Rapids, not far from Lake Michigan. Andrea absolutely adored her little sister and was known to be another parent to her. She would hurry home from school to help change diapers and wash bottles. She even kept a picture of Vanessa in one of her school folders as a way to stay close to her even when they weren't together.
0: Oh, baby, come on.
1: Many assumed that Andrea's love for her sister was just out of a lifetime of yearning for a sibling, but in reality, she felt very protective of Vanessa and wanted to keep her safe. Uh Uh-huh. At the beginning of 1989, Andrea learned that she was adopted as a baby. This news was deeply upsetting to the teen, and around the same time she started telling teachers and staff at her high school that she was afraid to go home and was confiding in friends that her dad was molesting her. Oh, God, no. Oh, buddy. Police and social workers were called to investigate, and she told the social worker the same thing she'd been telling her friends. Her dad had been molesting her and had started the year before when she was 13, and it had been happening regularly for more than a year. Oh, my God. The social worker brought Andrea home and confronted Dennis and Brenda about the allegations against him. They both adamantly denied any wrongdoing and explained that Andrea had been really angry after learning she was adopted. She had become more rebellious than normal and was taking her anger out on her parents in really damaging ways.
0: And the social worker was like, well, it's 1989, so I'm just going to give her something flammable and something sugary and
1: trust that everything's going to go her way. It's exactly what she did. (laughs) Of course she did. Of course she did. Yep. So it's not clear if any investigation took place into these allegations, but it seems very unlikely. Mm. She was released back to her parents that night, and before any follow-up could be done, Andrea disappeared. Oh, man. God. Yup. On the afternoon of March 11th, Dennis called police to report his daughter missing. He told the dispatcher that he'd come home from work and noticed that Andrea wasn't home. $100 was missing from her dresser, and some of her personal items were gone from her bedroom. He assumed she'd run away and told the dispatcher she'd run away to a friend's house once before. When authorities arrived, they weren't too worried and explained it was likely she would return in a few days. She was reported as a runaway, and police asked Dennis to call her friends to see if she was there. He told them that he would, and that was that. Andrea's mom, Brenda, called authorities a few days later to let them know it was actually $150 that went missing. The increase of $50 allowed police to issue a warrant for Andrea's arrest on charges of larceny. (gasps) What? Yeah.
0: Oh, I was going to make another joke, and that joke made itself for me. Yep.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. The warrant listed Dennis as the victim because no foul play was suspected. Andrea's missing person case was passed along to the Youth Services Bureau, and other than a few calls from Brenda with tips from people in town, no real investigation into her whereabouts was started. Oh, oh my God. I
0: almost just made my own self pass out from holding my breath so hard.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow,
0: that poor dear. Unbelievable. Yeah,
1: yep. And it's a reminder of just like how easy it is to vilify teens in general and like teen girls in a certain special way. Yep. You know, 14 angry and now has a warrant for her arrest. And nobody looked into the fact that she had just told
0: multiple people that her father was molesting her a week before she disappeared.
1: Right. Ugh. And didn't take her seriously. <laughs> Poor thing. No. No one questioned Dennis's story, and Brenda continued to stick by her husband's side. No one wondered why Andrea, who was so very protective of her baby sister, would suddenly be willing to leave her to fend for herself. hmm These next few sentences are a direct quote from the article mentioned above. Over the years, there had been whispers about the family. Once, when Andrea was in middle school, she boarded the school bus, bleeding from her wrist. Some kids gossiped about a suicide attempt, but others said that Andrea had cut herself trying to get back into her house after her parents locked her out. Mm. There were rumors that Dennis, a former Navy reservist with reddish-brown hair, a goatee, and wire-rimmed glasses... And Brenda, a portly woman with curled bangs who'd once worked at a jewelry counter at the Meyer department store, abused Andrea. Mm. But back then what happened behind closed doors was considered family business. Yep. Those in town believed that she'd run away, maybe to find her birth mom. Others thought maybe she was pregnant and left to hide the pregnancy from her parents. Aside from the rumors, Brenda and Dennis were doing their best to lay low and to not remind police that Dennis had a violent history and had been arrested on sexual assault charges in the (gasps) past. Oh. Oh. All right. Yeah, buckle up. Mm.
0: I'm sorry, guys. I'm so sorry for the utterances, for the guttural sounds you're about Mm -hmm. to hear come out of this side of the Eck family.
1: I feel like it's been a while since we've covered a case like this where it's just like everything is there for the police
0: no that was your case last week you keep doing this to me that was and we got somebody who gave us a bad review because quote unquote we could do a better job than the police who <laughs> overlooked three murders of three family members oh, of yeah, people forgot about who that had one. kidnapped the child oh my god
1: yeah never mind <laughs> yeah that one was really bad too How Uh quickly you blank them out, but I I haven't gotten over the trauma of it yet. Mm -hmm. No. So in May 1980, a woman riding her bike north of Holland was driven off the road by a man on a motorcycle. Once stopped, he ordered her to walk into the woods, but she didn't move. Even after he pulled out a gun and ordered her again, she refused. Mm. He shot the gun into the air, but she still wouldn't budge. He tried again, this time shooting at her feet, but still nothing. (gasps) Good for her. I mean, I, I think it's good that her reaction was probably freeze, you know, but yeah. holy moly, that's a lot. The woman would later explain that she was trying to figure out what to do and needed a minute to think. Just after the second gunshot, a car drove by and distracted the gunman. When he looked away, the woman took this as her opportunity to take off on her bike as fast as she could and then flag down a motorist for help. Wow. The driver put her bike in the back of their truck and drove her home to safety. Wow. Once home, her parents called police, and by the end of the day, they found the man who tried to hurt her. When she was asked to identify the suspect, she knew right away he was the man on the road. He was identified as Dennis Bowman. He was arrested and convicted of assault with intent to commit criminal sexual conduct and sentenced to 5 to 10 years in prison shooting at her feet. Just shooting at her feet. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was referred for psychological counseling, and a judge determined that he would likely pose a danger to women if he went free. Andrea was six years old at the time. Mm. Despite the clear intent to cause the woman serious harm, Dennis only served the minimum sentence. Of course. It doesn't seem like authorities ever suspected Dennis and Andrea's disappearance, and slowly the years started to tick by without a trace of the 14-year-old to be found. In 1993, four years after Andrea was last seen, the band Soul Asylum debuted a music video for its hit song, Runaway Runaway Train.
0: Train. I mean, come on. It wrote itself.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go check it out, all you – those that were – Born well, well after 1993. <laughs> those of you that love Soul Asylum like I do, I don't love Soul Asylum. Runaway train, never coming back.
0: Oh, it's like the I didn't, I, I did not know that that song was about this case. I'm assuming that's what you're about to say. Well, no, not necessarily. Soul, but you just wanted no. to bring up Soul Asylum, real quick, <laughs> right? Yes, but just it like that connected. case that the that one. And then in the road they were na na, na 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 na. You know that song from the nineties? <laughs> they go home. Did it? It's like Uh-oh, about the, the older back. couple that drove off and died, and it's like the craziest true crime story. And these people just wrote this bebop and bop song about this horrible <laughs> death of this elderly couple, or like disappearance anyway.
1: Yeah. I was or like, like wow. Did they all the abortion? No.
0: Uh, we were barely freshmen. Was
1: that what that yeah, was? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, trauma. Trauma in the uh, 90s. No. As if
0: the 90s weren't traumatic enough. Soul Asylum yeah.
1: and everybody out there. Just bringing it, bringing it to the forefront. Yeah. All right. So what do you want to say about Soul Asylum? <laughs> so the video featured images and names of missing kids across America. Nice. Nice. Soul Asylum. Good job. Yeah. There were multiple versions of the video, and the band would play them during live performances. In one of these videos, Andrea's picture was featured. At least someone seemed to care about the teen. 20 years after the videos were made, the director would say that more than two dozen kids were found (gasps) because of the work they did. Mm -mm. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my God. Oh, chills. Nation. Wow. Yes. Like, why don't we all just all concert? People, all artists do this like just you know I mean luckily now we have social media and things it's easier probably easier ways to get missing people out there but really smart in the early 90s that's incredible yeah but sadly Andrea wasn't one of them Mm. so Dennis was arrested again in 1998 10 years after Andrea went missing this time police were responding to an alarm set off at a mobile home The owner of the trailer had reported so many break-ins that the department decided to set up a security system to see if they could catch the person breaking in. Wow. When the officer arrived, he found Dennis leaving out of the back door of the trailer. When he was questioned, Dennis told the deputy that he was temporarily staying with the woman. The officer let Dennis go, but when they talked to the woman and she said that Dennis was lying, they caught back up with him. This time, he told police that he'd only gone into the home to use the bathroom. He had worked with a woman in the past, and his daughter, Vanessa, had sold Girl Scout cookies to her, so he knew where she lived. He didn't think she would mind if he popped in real quick to use her facilities. L-O-L. Mm-hmm. That is just fine. That is just fine with all women of America. Yeah, not a big deal. And men and everyone. Nope. Dennis gave police permission to search his house, where they found a duffel bag with women's underwear inside. Mm -hmm. Those underwear would later be identified as belonging to the woman. Inside the bag was also a short-barreled shotgun, a black sweatshirt, and a mask. Dennis was arrested and eventually pleaded guilty to one count of breaking and entering his prior conviction and the fact that police believed Dennis had been responsible for all the previous break-ins to the woman's house were never mentioned to the judge. Oh, instead Dennis's lawyers quote presented letters written on his client's behalf by various people, the counselor who ran Dennis's sex offender group treatment program, the principal of Vanessa's elementary school, Dennis's boss and a congregant at Christ Memorial church Who noted that Dennis had taught Sunday school, forget sorry, got a little angry there for a minute. Who noted that Dennis had taught Sunday school for kindergarteners for the past six years. Mm -mm. The court also received a letter from Brenda, who defended her husband, and from Dennis himself, who wrote of his behavior, quote, Sometimes we don't realize a problem until it confronts us face to face. Oh my God, what a creep. Dennis described himself as happily married for 28 years. He said that he had two daughters, one 25 and the other 11. He didn't mention that the older one had been missing for more than a decade. Vomit. Also, how did these people adopt her? It is so hard to adopt children. Yeah, not in the 80s. Or when? no, she was born even like the 70s.
0: Still? Still, yeah. How did... They just adopted her regular or did they quote unquote like wink wink adopt her off the side of a
1: fucking road? Well, I think they adopted her regular, but I think we'll get more into that. Okay, good. Because yeah. it's not, it's very hard to adopt. Yes. Yeah, And they're like,
0: because of this case, it is now really hard to adopt. But mm-hmm. before that, you could just get any old baby
1: anywhere. No mm-hmm. problem. So Dennis was given a slap on the wrist and was free to live his life. He had a shotgun in that duffel bag, in that murder duffel
0: bag. listen, if you get caught with uh, masks and ladies' underwears and guns and shit, that is automatic, like minimum 10 years, in my opinion. I don't even care if it's a coincidence or it belongs to your children. Just just don't carry those things around
1: just in case. Right. You know? No, and it was so bad. He broke in so many times. That they the police gave this lady a security system, <laughs> it wasn't just not a big deal, she just was lucky, like never home. Apparently, thank god, yeah. So the years continued to pass, and still no leads. All right, I'm take another drink
0: while you do that. Uh, the song is Fastball, was the name of the band, The Way, by the way. Oh, just, I'll just have so to people, Listen to it, <laughs> I'll pull up a little snippet of it for you, really quick. We'll do a quick uh. Everyone grab a drink of water while Courtney plays um, just enough of the fastball song, The Way, to not get sued. (laughs) (laughs) I, I do not have the rights to this song.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Now you know what I'm talking about. Yes.
0: Yeah, they started packing to disappear. No one knows what happened to them. And it's a crazy, crazy, crazy true crime story.
1: Unbelievable. I know. I have to listen. I'll have to figure that one out.
0: I looked into the cases. There's not a lot there. That's the whole story. Like an elderly (laughs) couple packed up and disappeared. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. But then uh, this Fastball wrote a song about it.
1: Weird. After they named themselves Fastball, Fastball. And then it became like their one hit wonder. Yep. The years continued to pass and still no leads brought Andrea back. In the early 2000s, a volunteer forensic sketch artist named Carl Koppelman came across the picture and profile of a Jane Doe who had been discovered shortly after she was killed. Despite this, she was never identified. As he tried to match her picture with those who were missing, he found Andrea's profile and thought it could be a match. You know, so he's going back and forth. Yeah. He's looking at the Jane Doe's, he's looking at missing people, and he's trying to put them together. Uh, he was like one of the first people who had the idea to try to recreate sketches of Jane Doe's, even if they were badly decomposed. Or Love this guy. Mm-hmm. Love. Yes. So he really, like he <laughs> is a, there was in the article that I, I used a lot, there was a lot of details about him, and he just seems like a little gem an accountant lives with his mom doing volunteer work like changing people's lives just a really really good guy so jane doe who died in 1999 was suspected to be 18 to 25 years old which matched andrea's age jane doe had also been found directly across the lake from lake michigan Mm. from where andrea went missing it was entirely possible that andrea had run away to chicago only to be murdered 10 years later The two cases were close enough that he brought the comparison to the police. Police then decided to investigate, but to do this, they would need DNA for comparison. Mm. This meant they would have to track down Andrea's biological mother. So Andrea's birth mom was a woman named Kathy, Kathy was the oldest of six children, born from three different men. Her stepfather was in the Navy, and the family moved seven times before she started the seventh grade. Oof. As the oldest, Kathy was expected to take care of her younger siblings and was not taken care of or protected by her parents. She was molested for the first time at age 10 and then Oof. raped by a teen boy at age 12. In 1972, when she was 14, she knew she had to escape her life, so she packed a bag and left. She hitchhiked to Tennessee and stayed with a friend for a few days and then went to the Greyhound Station. She didn't know where she was headed until she saw someone wearing a colorful bead, plastic bead necklace. Mm -hmm. They told her they were headed to the best party in the country. Yeah, baby. Mardi Gras in New Orleans, Louisiana. So Kathy thought this sounded great and hopped on a bus to Louisiana. Once there, she found a large community of other runaway teens who helped each other find jobs, places to crash, and food to eat. This allowed all of them to stay off the streets. Soon, Kathy met a 19-year-old man named Randy. They fell in love and moved in together. They even got jobs at the same place working for a circus sideshow. A few months later, the pair went to South Carolina, where it was legal for a minor to get married with parental permission. Kathy's mom was happy to be done with the responsibility of her oldest daughter and signed the paperwork eagerly. Less than a year later, Kathy learned that she was pregnant She was not yet 16 years old. She was determined to be a good mom and provide for her child despite her young age. On June twenty-third, 1974, Kathy gave birth to a healthy girl who she named Alexis. Unfortunately, Kathy's marriage quickly fell apart after the baby was born. When Kathy caught her husband cheating on her, it was the final straw, and she left. Wanting to keep her daughter safe, she did the only thing she thought she could do, which was go home to Virginia. Alexis was five months old and was a sweet, chubby baby. Kathy said for the entire five-day bus trip back to Virginia, Alexis didn't cry, and everyone commented on what a good baby she was. Kathy felt a boost of confidence during the trip, feeling sure she could manage life as a single mom, but that confidence would quickly fade when she knocked on her mother's door. When her mom answered the door, Kathy said she looked them up and down with a face full of judgment. Mm -hmm. Kathy learned that her mom had been diagnosed with breast cancer and had been given only a few years to live. Kathy's mom made it very clear that she expected Kathy to give up her own baby for adoption so that she could care for her as she was dying and then her siblings until they were grown. Wow. Yep. One day soon after they arrived home, Kathy's mom pointed out that Kathy had run out of formula and had no money to buy more. She asked Kathy, quote, how are you going to take care of this kid? This caused tremendous doubt for Kathy, who only wanted what was best for her daughter. How heartbreaking. I know. Five months old. No. This is not a tiny little baby. I mean, mm-hmm. not that it matters, but like, Ugh. So sad.
0: So sad. Well, and your grandma, you've got a couple years left.
1: Enjoy your grandchild. hmm Nope. It wasn't about any of them, ever. Ugh. So soon after arriving back to Virginia, Kathy agreed to give baby Alexis up for adoption. Kathy's mom took care of the adoption arrangements, and Alexis was adopted through Catholic charities. Devastated and alone, Kathy couldn't stay in Virginia to help her mom. She soon left on her own again to start a new life, but she missed her daughter every day. The only thing keeping her going was the thought that Alexis was living a great life with a loving family. Kathy eventually went to nursing school and met a nice man who became her husband. They never started a family of their own, and Kathy hoped one day she would be reunited with her daughter.
0: That is sad beyond the saddest thing I've ever
1: heard. I know. To find out what happened. <laughs> I know. Her hopes and dreams would be crushed in 2010 when Kathy received a letter from a social worker explaining that Alexis, who had been given the new name of Andrea, had disappeared from her adoptive home in Michigan in 1989. Mm. The letter told her they suspected that Andrea might be a Jane Doe found dead in Wisconsin, and they needed a sample of Kathy's DNA for comparison. The details were sparse, and Kathy was desperate to know more about what happened. She also couldn't get over the fact that Andrea had disappeared at 14, the same age Kathy had been when she ran away from home. Oh my God. As Kathy dug to find out more about her daughter's life, she learned that as a baby, Alexis ended up in Virginia's Department of Social Services. When putting the baby up for adoption, Kathy's mother had reported that she was born with fetal alcohol syndrome and that Kathy had taken LSD during the pregnancy.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yep. According to Kathy, both of these were lies.
0: Uh, mhm.
1: So you've got like a 5 6 month old baby. Yeah. With apparent fetal alcohol syndrome. So yep. yeah. She yep. was ad- adopted like through the right channels, but yeah, wasn't probably the easiest baby to adopt. Mhm. So, so the, the Bowmans came along. Dip shit and ding along show up and they're like we want a baby and they're like we got just the one. Mhm. Kathy decided to start a Facebook page to help find her daughter while they waited for DNA results to come back. It was through Facebook that Kathy met Carl, the forensic sketch artist. The two started working together to learn more about Andrea's past. Kathy also got in touch with a, quote, retired Michigan detective familiar with her case. When she talked to him, the first thing he said to Kathy was, quote, they botched this case from the beginning.
0: Ah. Man, tears
1: in my eyes. I don't think I'm going to make it through this one. No, no. I wasn't prepared for your lack of sleep either. (laughs) On a good day, you wouldn't be able to handle this one. So Kathy started to hear rumors about Dennis and his criminal past. She decided to submit a Freedom of Information Act request for Dennis's criminal record and learned about his two previous convictions— so like in the matter of, I don't know how long it took, maybe let's say give her a month, two months, yep. three months. I don't know how long the, the requests take to process, but she already did more than the police ever did Yep, in decades of time to research her case. For a vulnerable child who had
0: already accused her father of molesting her.
1: Yeah, her, her, her father who already had sex. A like he shouldn't have been able to be around her yeah. anyway.
0: Yeah, shouldn't have been able to adopt a vulnerable child.
1: No. Because nope. he's a. Sex criminal. Yep. So she said after learning what he'd been caught doing to other women, she was certain that he'd killed Andrea. When the DNA results came back in 2013, it confirmed Kathy's hunch when her DNA did not match the DNA belonging to Jane Doe. Mm. She was someone else's daughter, but not hers. Wow. And that Jane Doe ended up being identified later as Peggy Lynn Johnson, who was a 23-year-old woman with developmental delays who died after and during several weeks or months mm-hmm. of extreme neglect and physical abuse. Oh, God. Yeah. The woman, Linda La Roche, was eventually convicted of her murder. Peggy had worked for Linda as a nanny, and Linda started beating Peggy and hold- withholding food from her until she died. Oh, no. Yeah. S- really Sophie
0: Leonay scenario. Yes.
1: Yes. yep. So Kathy decided to be very vocal about her suspicions and once again went to Facebook to tell Andrea's story and to talk about Dennis's criminal history. In September of 2013, Kathy and Carl, um, so they decided to attend the Missing in Michigan conference, which was organized by the state police. The f- conference starts with group therapy sessions for family members who have loved ones that are missing. Kathy said as she looked around the circle, she saw two familiar faces. Both Andrea's mom, Brenda, and her little sister, Vanessa, were (laughs) sitting in the circle with her. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What? I did not expect that. I
1: know, I know. Yeah. So Brenda and Vanessa also recognized Kathy. The resemblance to Andrea was unmistakable, and they had been paying attention to Kathy's Facebook page and the things that she was saying about Dennis. So Brenda tried to talk to the group, but Kathy was too mad at Brenda for not protecting her daughter. She said she couldn't help but yell at Brenda, saying, quote, Tell them the truth, Brenda. Tell them about your husband. Wow. Yup. When they had a chance to talk later, Brenda tried to explain that she and Dennis had fully cooperated with police, and she had never stopped looking for Andrea. She showed them a binder she kept with her, full of tips and other information. Carl believed that Brenda seemed sad and worried for Andrea and was desperate to know what happened to her, but this wasn't good enough for Kathy, who was still furious, and she lashed out at Brenda again. This time, Vanessa tried to step in to protect her mom and had to be held back by another conference attendee. After this outburst, the women avoided each other and didn't talk again. I don't blame her. I want to outburst on her myself. Right? I know. And again, like the part of me that wants everything to just like be okay and, you know, like I wish that instead Brenda could have been like, I'm so sorry, Dennis is a piece of shit, you know, but at this point, Brenda is still married and with Dennis, you know, so of course they're going to, Kathy's going to want to beat her up.
0: Yeah. Well, and Brenda needs to get her head out of her ass and realize that her husband's a fucking sex criminal and abused their daughter and then killed her. Right. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, that your husband sucks, but he does. Just accept it and yeah, yep. help your daughter. Yes, please. Open up your binder and write on the page one, my husband is a sex criminal, confirmed. Mm-hmm. So t- step two, <laughs> like, mm-hmm.
1: God. I know. So when the conference was over, Kathy and Carl, who lived on separate coasts, decided to hire a private investigator who lived in Michigan to see what they might be able to find. They hired Jeffrey Floor, a former Michigan State trooper who'd helped solve a 1979 gang rape and murder that happened in Holland. He had connections in the area and quickly got to work. He was the one to first uncover the molestation allegations that Andrea had brought against her dad. It stayed quiet for decades. He also learned that Andrea had told many people about the abuse, a few friends, and even their parents. She told one friend that her mom, Brenda, knew about the abuse. But wouldn't do anything to stop it. Mm. Mm. Other than the first instance, no one stepped in to help. One mom later admitted after Andrea told her, she suggested that she just go to her youth pastor for guidance and prayer. Oh my God. Soon enough, Andrea was gone, and any chance to help her was over. Other potential victims of Dennis's came forward, claiming he might be the man who abused them. This included a woman who said she was abducted when she was six after a man asked her if she wanted to go see some puppies. He drove her to a rural area, stripped her naked, and was getting ready to rape her when he was scared off by barking dogs. She was forced to walk naked and barefoot to find help. Her attacker was never found. When she later came across Kathy's Facebook page and saw the picture of Dennis, she knew that was the man who attacked her. Unfortunately, the statute of limitations had passed, and there was nothing that could be done for her. Mm. Despite Kathy's certainty that Dennis had killed Andrea, there still wasn't any evidence. By 2017, she and Carl did all they felt they could do, and police still didn't have enough for an arrest. Two years passed until all of a sudden, Dennis Bowman was arrested. Hmm. Yeah. When Kathy learned the news, she said she was certain authorities had finally found enough evidence for her daughter's murder— but much to her surprise, his arrest had nothing to do.
0: Oh, how shocking! I'm so shocked that that's, gonna, that's those words are coming out of your mouth, Sadie. I'm so surprised that he I know, right? Didn't he victimize somebody else? Let me guess. He victimized somebody else, and they finally were able to catch him because he did a bad enough thing to a not, not
1: even that. Oh, no, come not on. even
0: that. Like, <laughs> he had some oil leaking out
1: of his trailer for too long. Right. And, oh yeah. my god! No, Mm-mm. nope. Instead, he was arrested and charged with the first-degree murder of a woman named Ooh. Kathleen Doyle. Ooh. She was murdered in 1980. Oh my god. 9 years before Andrea disappeared. Oh my god. And more than 800 miles away in Norfolk, Virginia. At the time of her murder, Kathy was 25 years old and newly married. Her husband was in the Navy and had just been deployed overseas. She was living alone and working on becoming a writer, excited for the future ahead. It took two days before her body was found. Kathy had been stripped, gagged, raped, stabbed, and then strangled with an electrical cord. Mm. Semen was found on her body and collected as evidence, but at the time, DNA wasn't much of a thing, and her case went cold.
0: Oh, I am. I can't.
1: No. Whew. Police always suspected her killer was a stranger to her, someone who saw an opportunity and took it. It wouldn't be until much later, in 2019, that her BFFs from Parabon Nanolabs would be able to use the DNA found at the scene to narrow down a list of suspects based on genealogy DNA. They had a list of 30 possible suspects, which police would then have to go through one by one and rule out. It makes me think about the other case where they like narrowed it down to a single person and how rare that must be. Yeah. You know, like if you have a big enough family tree, it would yeah. be harder to do. But fate was on the side of the Norfolk police who attended a cold case conference and met some officers who worked in Michigan. Because they said, you know, going through the list of 30 suspects all across the country would take probably a good year or so. It wouldn't yeah. be quick. And so they were kind of bummed. But then they went to this conference and started talking to Michigan Troopers amazing. so when the when the Virginia police explained what they were working on and that one of their suspects, Dennis Bowman, lived in Michigan, the Michigan officers agreed to help. Not only that, but they said that they knew Dennis and knew that he was being accused by the public, mostly Kathy on Facebook, of killing his fourteen year old daughter. They also shared the great news that they already had his DNA on file. Mm-mm. yeah. so this is at the same time, So finally, they're starting to do more for Andrea's case. Mm -hmm. And they brought uh, Dennis and Brenda in to to talk to them and gave him a bottle of water. And when he left, he left it there. And so they snapped, they grabbed it and got his DNA from it. Booyah. Finally. Finally, I know, right? Like, God, 30 years later. (sighs) Yeah, a whole new set of officers and detectives, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Yep. So they had his DNA on file in Michigan and would be more than happy to share It wouldn't take long for the samples to be compared, and wouldn't you know it, they came back as a match to Kathleen's killer. On November 22nd, 2019, Dennis was arrested and charged with first degree murder. Within a few months of his arrest, Dennis confessed to murdering Kathleen. (laughs) Dennis was a Navy reservist at the time and was in Norfolk for two weeks for drills. On the night of Kathleen's murder, he claimed he was drunk. And had only planned to rob her house. Mm. He didn't think she would be home, but when she found her in bed, he took the opportunity to rape and brutally kill her.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I only planned to traumatize her a tiny little bit, but since I had my mask, my
1: ropes, my my shotgun, stall, my all my equipment panty, duffel with bag. me, yeah, mm-hmm. just decided to go ahead and utilize it. Yep. So at the time of this murder, Dennis was out of jail on bond, awaiting trial for his attempted assault of the woman who he fired a gun at on the bike before she was able to flee. Mm. Kathleen's murder wasn't the only one he confessed to after his arrest. So Dennis also called Brenda from jail to tell her where he'd buried their daughter's remains. He explained that he accidentally killed her during an argument. Dennis said that he slapped their daughter, causing her to fall down and break her neck. Yeah, fucking right. Instead of calling for help, Dennis hid her body and reported her missing. He told Brenda that he later cut up her body with an axe and a machete and then buried her in their backyard.
0: Mm.
1: Once he was covered with dirt, he poured a concrete slab over her remains and told Brenda it was a new patio for their backyard. <sighs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So Brenda told authorities she wasn't sure if she believed Dennis because the concrete patio he was talking about was at the house that they'd moved into a few months after Andrea went missing. If he was telling the truth, it meant that he moved her remains to their new home and buried her in the yard they then lived in for another 30 years.
0: Well, listen, Brenda, if there's one thing we've established about you, it's that you are... Very much in denial of your husband's actions on every
1: possible level. Yeah. Yeah. So Brenda couldn't believe he would have done this to her. (laughs) Oh, Mm. my Brenda,
0: she, Mm -hmm. I really don't like to judge people, but Mm -hmm. she's making it very, very, very hard. And generally speaking, I want to be very clear. I don't think that just because you live with an abuser means you know about their abuse or you're complicit at all. Generally, I think it's the opposite. But her own daughter told her
1: and she didn't do anything about it. She knew. Yeah. So when police went to the house and dug up the concrete, they had no trouble finding skeletal remains exactly where Dennis said they would be.
0: Mm.
1: He had not been lying. Andrea had been there just under their feet all those years. He told police a similar story, but added that he had to cut up Andrea's body because she wouldn't fit in the cardboard barrels that he used to bury her in.
0: Not because he enjoyed it, but because practicality sake, because Right, I would you can't love, get a bigger I, container. Yeah, and I would love to know how many people have actually died of the old I hit her and she fell down and broke her neck, mm-hmm. story. You know, mm-hmm. I know that people, I mean, a kid on my beach before I moved here, punched another kid square in the nose and killed him like mm-hmm. instantly, you know, just punched him right in the brain basically and killed him. So I know that it is a thing that can happen, but I i don't think it happens.
1: Well, and if it happened as often as killers claim it happens, like lots more people would be dying from falling yeah. down.
0: Well, yeah. very conveniently, it's killers who accidentally, right. quote unquote, kill mm-hmm. people by hitting them and breaking their neck,
1: just right. snapping it right in half. Accidentally. Yeah. yeah. To make sure they knew he was telling the truth, he told detectives that the machete that he used was still in its hiding spot under his bed. 30 years later. What? When they searched his room, they found it there. What? Yeah, dude. Yeah, this little night-night machete murder weapon. What? Under his bed for 30 years.
0: Brenda. Brenda. I know, I know,
1: I know. I know. Brenda, police. Like, you didn't even look? Like, you just didn't even look? You didn't think? Like. Like, well,
0: that's just his uh, night-night machete, so he, it makes him sleep better. He sleeps better yeah. when he's got his night-night machete, and I just right. don't want to take it away from him and oh don't want to God. question it, don't want to bring it to the police to test it for
1: DNA, potentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, don't want to know more about the concrete slab that he suddenly that, had put in.
0: Yeah, the patio that he wanted us to enjoy all of a
1: sudden out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Oy. So in June of 2020, Dennis received two life sentences— Uh, One for the rape and one for the murder of Kathleen Doyle, plus 20 years, just for like good measure. (laughs) The judge was like, we are not going to let this guy out. He was ordered to serve his time in Michigan where he would stand trial for his daughter's murder, but at the end, there would be no trial for her either. On December 22nd, 2021, Dennis pleaded no contest to the second degree murder of Andrea Bowman. He was sentenced to an additional 35 to 50 years in prison. Dennis Bowman is now 73 years old. He's been in jail for what? Like since 2019? Mm. So five years maybe? Four years? Yep. And had the privilege to live the vast majority of his life as a free man. Oh, yeah. Brenda filed for divorce after Dennis was arrested and maintains her story that she knew nothing of her daughter's murder. During this time in prison, Dennis confessed to raping a 27-year-old woman in 1979. She was attacked in her home in Holland, and despite giving police a detailed description of her attacker, one that had a striking resemblance to Dennis, he was never caught. Mm -hmm. That's the same year that he was shooting at the other woman's feet and had been caught for that. Right. But then in the same tiny little town, a 27-year-old woman says, hey, this guy raped me. Here's a picture of him from my mind. And they're like, huh, I don't know. There's nobody that fits this description who's a known sex offender yeah. in our tiny town. Yeah. Hmm. Like, don't know. Goodbye. Good luck. Couldn't possibly do anything about that. We'll never,
0: It's a mystery that will never be solved ever. Yeah. No. Unless the... Uh, Additionally victimized, biological mother of his other victim, hires a private detective, starts mm-hmm. a Facebook group, and mm-hmm. puts enough
1: pressure on people that yeah. it gets figured out. Right, and finds over her BFF Carl, who's like, years hey, later. I maybe can make, make oh. a connection. Nope, not her, but let's look into, continue to look into where this 14-year-old girl went. <sighs> like, why is it up to Carl and Kathy? Yeah. Speaking of. Kathy and Carl are still in touch and have started looking at other cold cases that Dennis might be responsible for. Fuck, yeah. Mm-hmm. From the article written uh, about the <laughs> Soul Asylum music video. Yep. Quote, in 1977, Deborah Polinski, a 20-year-old Holland woman, another Holland woman, was killed in what one newspaper called a, quote, sex slaying. mm After Polinsky failed to show up for work, a colleague found her stripped, sexually assaulted, and stabbed to death in her home, Mm -mm. with her German shepherd standing guard over her body. Oh, my God. In 1970, Shelley Speet Mills, a 19-year-old newlywed, was stabbed to death in her apartment in Grand Rapids, 30 miles northeast of Holland. Mills' mother, who'd driven to the city to take her daughter to lunch, found her body. Around the same time of the six-year-old's abduction... There was a series of similar incidents. A 13-year-old girl was nearly pulled off a Holland street by a stranger. A 9-year-old girl on a bike was stopped by a man who opened his car door and asked repeatedly if she wanted to get ice cream. And several weeks after the 6-year-old was taken, two siblings, aged 9 and 7, were walking near their elementary school. When they encountered a man they later estimated to be in his 30s, the suspect, who was driving a truck and wearing blue jeans and a blue winter jacket, offered the children money, then chased them on foot when they refused to get in his vehicle. Oh, God. The siblings later described the truck as shiny and red. The abducted six-year-old had described her abductor's vehicle similarly, a red truck with a white cab. A photo of a truck Bowman once drove, provided to Kathy and Carl by Bowman's sister-in-law, matched that description. Yep. No one's surprised. So hopefully more cases will be connected to Dennis. And I did do a, a quick search, but nothing, like nothing recently has come up in the news. And that other families will have closure for their loved ones. I mean, there is absolutely no doubt he was responsible for more rapes and murders. Like, no doubt about a thousand
0: it. thousand billion, trillion percent.
1: And the Holland police were like, cool, just keep going. Don't make too much of a fuss about it. It's fine.
0: And I live here I live there basically. That's totally my neck of the woods. I live so close to Holland. It is a chillest place. It is not like Detroit or someplace Mm -mm. that they have their hands full. You I mean, literally just have to keep an eye on the windmills. Like it's you know, like Oh my god. Yeah. Do I think I could do a better job than the police in Holland in this case and all the people that were there supposed to protect her? Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. The Mm -hmm. answer is yes. If you're Mm -hmm. asking that to yourself right now, yes, I'm positive of that.
1: 100%. Yes.
0: Her biological mother did do. So it didn't have to be me. No. Somebody else already did it. Somebody else already proved that it could be done pretty easily. So
1: yes. God. Yep. And if I'm looking at my husband for 30 years, Ugh. knowing that he is a sexual predator, yeah, and my daughter, 14-year-old daughter, him. is accusing him of of being a sexual predator towards her, and then she goes missing, Yeah, there is not going to be a day that goes by that I don't know for sure that he had something to do with that. And yep. I would do everything I could to make sure that she, her remains were found and he was put in prison. Yep. So, let's take it back to brave and courageous Andrea, who rushed home to make sure her baby sister was safe, who tried to get help for herself and was never believed. Mm -hmm. What happened to her is unforgivable, and she deserved so much more. Completely unforgivable. And that is the terrible story of Andrea Bowman and Kathleen Doyle. Ugh.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to do with information like that, but that is a very good story. And I'm so uh, glad somebody fucking did something for her, protected her at some point in her life. Her poor mom, her poor mother. yeah. I can't, I just can't imagine the like horrendous feeling of thinking that you did the right thing for your daughter and being convinced that you were not the person who should be caring for her. And then you give her up at five months old and then you find out that she was adopted to a full predator who then murdered her brutally (laughs) and buried her under a fucking patio. Um, (laughs) Like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. If there's any upside to adoption, it's like f- the feeling that that the child is being better cared for than you would be able to do that. And then like to have that taken from you. I yeah. thank God for Parabon I Labs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. No. God. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> God. I mean, it's life changing. They're changing the history of crimes. You know, it's yeah. just like, oh man, but it's... Uh, I mean I guess the good news is that these things can happen quicker now like we have the DNA technology and we don't have to wait 30 years to con- you know to find the connections. Yeah. And so hopefully less people will get away with murder for so long. But it's just like why? Why why did he just get to be free? Yeah.
0: I I mean I like I'm t- I'm very tired so I don't want to Uh, go down too much of a rabbit hole, but I just feel like now we live in a time where you could just just say I didn't do something that billions of people saw you do and you get away with it. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to be totally defeatist and negative because that's not really how I feel in general. But (sighs) yeah, when I couldn't Mm -hmm. sleep last night, I laid there and thought of a lot of ways the system is failing right now, currently, Mm -hmm. actively, and massively. Nobody wants what's going on, with the exception of very few people at the top of these corporations who are grabbing cash like insane Mm -hmm. motherfuckers right now, right? It's such a cash grab, you guys. I work with major, major TV networks, and I'm not going to get into it, but it's bad. It's bad. Like, the Mm -hmm. things... the. Way that these companies are squeezing every single tiny cent out of their employees and their vendors and their everyone. It's mm-hmm. not good. So they know, you know, they know that their time is limited. This things are not sustainable. Companies are not being built to be to like last, they're being built to make as much money as quickly as possible and then fail. It's mm-hmm. I, anyway, yeah. So, the good news is they know that <laughs> we know that and yeah. they know that their time is limited and that's why these things are happening. So yes. that makes me feel positive and hopeful. Yeah. Because I'm they s- they they're they're rapidly in the v- rapidly shrinking minority and um mm-hmm. so we just have to like stay strong in the meantime.
1: Yeah. It's, it sucks right now. Yeah, I was reading an article talking about how the political climate around gun control in the US is finally like Shifting like we do, you yeah. know, it just takes fucking ever. But like yep. it's finally the majority, more more than just the majority, like a big majority of people really want gun control. Yeah. And it's finally the scales are tipping where like politicians can pretend like they're still trying to serve the people, but enough people are like, no, we yeah. want our kids to go to school and not get killed. <laughs> well, yeah. um, I mean, that even, they're going to yeah. have to. Even
0: really conservative people. It's part of the reason that the, Dems barely lost the house in the midterms.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah. You know, and it's just, yep. oh, I hate it. But yeah. I agree. I think it's just, it's hard to live through it, and it's hard to not know what's going to happen. Um, and it's hard to send your kids to school here in America. Huh. You Big know, time. In right now. But I do believe that we're just, we've got to keep fighting the good fight.
0: Yeah. I was hanging out with some Aussies this weekend at the Overlook Film Festival. They made a brilliant Brilliant horror movie called Late Night with the Devil. Once it gets distribution, everybody check it out and watch it. You're gonna hear about it. It was incredibly good. But we're talking about Australian horror, and I was like, yeah, you guys fucked us up, man. Like Wolf Creek, (laughs) Snowtown, like your horror is the horror. Like, we know the oh, that's Adelaide. Apparently it all comes out of Adelaide, Uh but (laughs)
1: like the fucked up the most scary.
0: (laughs) Well, and he so he was like, you know, what I was saying, my friends went on their honeymoon to the to the Outback and how we're all like yeah you're gonna get Wolf Creek don't do it and like legitimately it legitimately freaks me out he's like that is it's just so funny because it's not a threat you know Australians are not afraid of the Outback it's not
1: (laughs) you know yeah, and uh, he's probably way more afraid of being in a festival. in no, I mean the United States. And I said, you yeah. know, it's
0: interesting the things that we are we we are, think are scary. You know, like American horror. He's like, oh no, I am terrified to be here. He's like, I yeah. have a, a thing with guns. He said, I accidentally almost shot my friend eye out with a BB gun. Ugh. And I happened to be sitting at a table with our bestie, uh-huh. Clint. Hello, Clint, who hey, did Clint. have his eye shot out with a mm-hmm. BB gun. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he got to keep his beautiful, beautiful, blinky blue eye. Um, can't, can't see, see out of it. it. Yeah, yeah, it's there. It's in place. It's intact, but he can't see out of it. But I was like, oh, that's funny because here's a perfect example of that <laughs> happening. But yeah, he said... Um, he was in Austin at South by Southwest, and he's like, I don't like it. I don't like open carry. I don't no. like guns. Uh, it's really scary. And so we had a long awful. conversation about how it's a very interesting time to live in the United States.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, people open carry around here all the time. And oh, like yeah. being at the playground and looking up, you know, I'll yep. be sitting on the ground with my kids and see there's a dude walking by with a handgun on his hip. I'm like, I just don't. Yeah. We don't need that. Please take your guns out of my parks, please.
0: I was in Aldi the other day and this guy comes in like fully strapped with Mm. holsters on either side of his hips with like Glocks, you know, in Aldi. Just two of them. Like he's having a
1: duel in Aldi. It's like, Well, and the fact that that doesn't cause panic. Yeah. Right? Like how do you know that he isn't going to just come in there and shoot up the store? Yeah. Like, it's not okay. Put your guns away. Go put them in the, not the ocean, because we don't want to hurt the whales. But, like, please.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. I've said this before. Like, we grew up in a gun family, so I'm less afraid of guns than most people. But the ARs are anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) awful. (laughs) Did you see the TikTok where the kid was like, this is what y'all sound like? This is, like, every conversation on Twitter. (laughs) I did. Yes. Yes. Do Uh you even know what it stands for? (laughs) (laughs) Don't think it's the name. The name's not the issue. <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on. Maybe not the one that destroys children. Maybe we could just ban the one that destroys children. Yeah, But it's my favorite one.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: No. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, mm. real quick hard turn into something that I watched over the weekend that I'm going to assign you to watch because it was absolutely bizarre. It's probably the worst documentary I've ever seen and I need to talk about it because it's Like it in a good so way strange. No, or bad? Okay. No. And then I looked on IMDb and all the reviews are like WTF. And then I tried to find articles writing about it, reviewing it. There are none, which is very strange. But Jared from Subway, guys, the Jared from Subway documentary.
1: Oh, okay. Series. Seen, it's a series. Yes. What the
0: fuck? Is that, it you, terrible? It's so bad. It's so weird. It's really, I, Yeah. It's really really weird and I have more questions than answers. I mean, the guy, he is a pedophile. That is right. crystal fucking clear. But this I kept thinking of it while you were telling this case because it just the, the it doesn't line up. Like the, this woman had according to her and she's a huge character in the documentary been quote-unquote working with the FBI for like a decade to try to catch him and had been recording him, recording these conversations with him for several several years and it's not how he got caught it's weird so uh, I don't know what to believe as far as like her involvement and huh. how it all really went down but it does seem like we had information about Jared from Subway for a very long time and nobody really did anything with mm-hmm. it and that's and this woman's involvement is I, I'm very skeptical. I don't really get it, and I don't really believe her, and I don't yeah, it's weird. and it's weird huh. that she's such a central character. So
1: I will watch it. Please I've seen those pop pop up, that series pop up and i are like, hmm, do I care about it? Maybe I don't know. so i'll I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, I was
0: curious to see how he got caught, but it's it's bad. It's just a really <laughs> bad documentary. It's like almost unwatchable like from a production standpoint. You'd think
1: that it would be well-produced. <laughs> I know. Yep.
0: And it's on Discovery Plus, you know, which yeah. whatever. It's not, I'm not expecting the finest in journalistic integrity from Discovery Plus, but I would expect it to be at least like, okay, you know. Right. Yeah. It's very strange.
1: Okay. I'll check it out. I finally finished, uh, is The Innocence Lost? <gasps> you did? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I'm really glad I finished it. So if you started it and then you were like, holy shit, this is terrible. <laughs> just It's three episodes. It's not very long. I yeah. just took a break. The second episode was upsetting. But the third episode gives you a lot of closure.
0: Yeah. And yeah. It, but it additionally, is very disturbing. The, yes. So if you haven't seen it, we're talking about the Sarah Lawrence documentary. And I tasked Sadie to watch it
1: several episodes ago, but she was like, this is so terrible. I don't think mm-hmm. I can finish it. And not terribly made. It's really well made. It's, it's terribly well made. hard yeah. to watch. Like really, some of the um, video they show is really, really graphic. Yeah. I, I follow a
0: horror podcast and they do reviews of movies and what they have a section about true crime and then the woman agreed. She's like, I think this is the most disturbing true crime documentary I've ever seen. And I agree. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anything that upset me more. And I'm probably hyping it up so much, but it's, mm-hmm. so if you haven't seen it, don't listen to this part because I'm going to spoiler it a little bit, but yeah. watching the women in the apartment
1: yes, after he's been caught is, yes, whoa. Chilling, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh yeah, we got to put the locks on the fridge because of the poison, oh, like just God. matter of fact and giving them a tour of the apartment and... Completely brainwashed. So brainwashed. And then to watch the doctor come back, come out of it, yeah. is very interesting and yeah. like, poor thing. I just yeah. cannot imagine, no. you know, and how much sadness she has that his, her life was completely taken Dish- away from her. Freud and her siblings, her career, yeah. everything, her entire family, her poor parents. I can't. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. And I've she tries t- to reconnect with her. Siblings and goes to her sister's apartment, and her sister is so afraid yep. of her older sister. Doesn't yep. know if she's still connected to Larry that she won't open the door. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's not until she brings the brother to that she she feels safe enough to let to say hi. Yeah, like that's how bad it was. Yeah, it's so upsetting. Yeah, like the fact that he can just waltz in there and completely ruin all of these kids' lives. Like these super smart. Yeah.
0: Sarah Lawrence. Like Sarah, Sarah Lawrence kids. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. Well, and one College of, them- of the
0: Redwoods where I went, which is actually a really good school and beautiful place. And if you need a, an affordable place to go to school, go to College of the Redwoods. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at a place like that, it's super remote. It's a junior college. Like I, that, I would be like, yeah, of course they targeted those kids out there in the middle of the fucking- I was going to say that's All a perfect place stout- to get culted. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yes. I'd be like, <laughs> totally. yeah, of course, of course, yeah. but- yeah, it's um deeply upsetting and it went on for so long. I yes. I just was not prepared. I was not at all prepared for no the devastation no. of that.
1: Yeah, it makes me really want to learn more about like the rehabilitation process for people in cults and what that me takes too. and yeah, you know that one one of the women was more easily able to come out of it and the other one seems like maybe towards the end she did but like also was probably just forced to, so she didn't have to go to prison for a long time. Yep. Um, but, you know, what is it, like, how do you do it and what, I just, like, yeah, how does that mm-hmm. work exactly? Mm-hmm. How do you help somebody start to, to pull apart the lies from the truth? And, you know, and even just watching... What would you remember the doctor's name? I don't wanna keep talk, calling her the doctor, but I can't think of her name. I don't know, I don't. But she would be interv- be you know, she was being interviewed for the documentary and she would stop herself and she'd be like, Oh, that's a Larry lie or whatever. But yeah. like, that's him. Let me think a minute. And she'd have to sit there and think about what like separate what she had like told herself was true for so long it was now truth. Totally. When it was actually just lies he had been putting in her head for so long. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. <it's> so scary.
0: <laughs> it's so scary and so sad and so, <sighs> so. We've covered a lot of ground on this episode today. Yeah, you guys. we have. I
1: know. And Courtney needs to go and take a nap.
0: I do need to go take a nap. I'm going to save name time. I don't have a. I have a. I have enough, but I don't. I don't have a ton, so it'll be okay to save them until next time. And I'm going to save shouty outies for sure because y'all. Yeah. It would just be
1: like, pee pee poo dong 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 dong
0: Yeah, I would definitely get arrested. Hate be crimes like, or something. Wow, that actually crossed the line into being a felony. So, yeah, I, I would like to avoid. I know I no already know I'm going have to have fucking, I'm going to have to edit a lot out of this episode. Oh, uh, sorry. No, not yeah. you. Just... Uh, I mean, there are things I stand by and will keep in this episode, but there are definitely things I'm going to be like, do I really want to, Is that the hill I want to die on after getting two and a half hours of sleep? I don't think so.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But we really love you. And yes, we do. In the meantime, um, we're not doing shouty outies, but we are having a Patreon party this Friday in two days from the time that this episode airs. So if you want to come, it's not too late. Just sign up for Patreon $5 tier. We'll get you into the party. We're going to hang out. Sadie and I will be on screen. You don't have to come on screen if you don't no. want to. There's a chat function on the side. And it's just a blast. And people yes. make friends from all over the yep. world. And we will have some kind of um, cocktail, a non-alcoholic cocktail. Yeah, if you I've wanna. actually
1: found some good... It could be... What would I have come up with? I found some really interesting uh, non-alcoholic margarita recipes. Yeah. So we could do margaritas. We could do a cucumber gimlet. Yeah, looked good, and I forget the other one. There was one that maybe it was a margarita that you add if you want it non alcoholic. You put pickle juice in it.
0: What and it gives it
1: that the tang. alcoholic funk mm. without the alcohol. Hmm. So yeah, I was gonna. I don't know. I was like, do people want a poll to to pick? I think I'll just pick. Which I, Courtney loves a margarita, so do I. Love so a maybe We'll do margs, right? Yeah. Yes, pickled juice marks.
0: (laughs) I maybe we'll see.
1: We'll see. Uh, I'm definitely
0: drinking well. Don't ask Courtney from last weekend in New Orleans if she's drinking less these days because actually, I mean, I I can very confidently say I came out of this weekend in New Orleans much more, much less pickled than I ever have by a very long shot. So yes. I just drank for three days instead of no days. Um, I just didn't drink a lot in those three right. days. So, yes, please come to our party if you would like to hang out with us. And there's a fucking shit ton of episodes over there. If you want more true crime and you don't hate our voices, get on over there. <laughs> you could also hang out with us on Instagram tiktok facebook or youtube at they will kill you can go to our website theywillkill.com and you can always email us at they will at gmail.com
1: yes you can rate and review and subscribe to us also yes please, please. uh oh and you, the H- one who
0: uh reviewed that are you our honorary sister
1: yeah. yes of, of course, course you dude. are of course uh, you uh, are you have yes. been given
0: the i think you said have not been given the raise you have been given the raise
1: yes Everybody. We get it all the time. We we also feel like you are all our sisters and brothers and Very anybody, so. like family members, yep. for sure. So yep. don't even worry about it. Yeah, you have found your people. Uh, thanks, AJ, who is an actual family member. Yep. Thank you for your- Until we emancipate ourselves from you. <laughs>
0: Any day now. It's coming down the pipe. <laughs> right. uh,
1: thanks for your music. Thank we you We really appreciate so it. Thank you so much. And remember- don't get insomnia, even though you can't control it. Oh, Go to sleep when you can.
0: I will say I'm grateful just laying there, like thinking thoughts and coming up with revelations and understanding things I need to do. So I tried to remain grateful. I was like, thank you for this insomnia so that I could solve some problems and dig deep into my deep, unconscious, self conscious, subconscious self while losing my mind at the same time. <laughs> And then I got my Jabras. Sadie and I have these headphones that they're probably gonna like set on fire in our head because no one's ever heard of Jabra. It's not a Uh thing, right? But Mm -hmm. if you look up the best earbuds on the market, they are consistently rated in the top three, usually the first. So I don't know where Jabras came from. (laughs) I don't know anything about the Jabras, but they are just, they are a step below audiophile quality. So if you want some affordable, badass, earbuds that make you kind of look like a dork, but make music sound insane, get them. So I got the Jabra's that I put on some Billie Eilish, and that's actually what helped me go to sleep ultimately. Good. There's a whole, there's just a whole world that Phineas is, pro, is produced right on into those songs, you guys. You don't even know. No. You
1: don't even know until you can hear it.
0: You don't even know what beauty is lurking just below the surface of something even also beautiful. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. Hey, we really love you.
1: Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon and good night. And good night. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>